Welcome to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World. Two film buff friends decide to spend their remaining days creating and watching the ultimate movie bucket list. A podcast filled with film discussions, movie reviews, and a healthy dose of juicy celebrity gossip. Cinephiles unite. We're gonna need each other. You are caught in a dance, you are lost in a trance of another Arabian night. Arabian nights, like, like Arabian days. More often than not, are hotter than hot in a lot of good ways. That's good harmony, Mita. You just like don't, that's, you can't beat that song. You can't. It's a real great introduction. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Mita. Nadim. It is Oscar nomination morning. Yes, we, it is. We cheated this a little. Yep. Because we recorded the episode for Lawrence last week on the weekend. When yeah. When was it? Wednesday or Thursday? Oh, it was last week. But we decided to keep our small talk for this morning so yeah. that Oscar nominations could be fresh in our minds. Yeah. And you wouldn't have to wait a whole week to hear what we think. Exactly. We did this for you. Exactly. And we want it to be fresh and relevant, which is probably important to some degree. So, but first of all, Mita, how are you? How's it going? Um, I'm good. good. <laughs> it's a week later. It's weird. Uh, woke up this morning, showered, was like, okay, gonna watch these noms. I don't think I've ever watched them like no? live. I've always just waited for the news to roll in. No. Isn't it fun to watch them live? I guess a no. I think for us, it's fine because it's like 8.30. But I was imagining, like, imagine it was like 5.30 for us and we're in Los Angeles. Like, I'd be pissed. It's early, man. (laughs) It's really early. (laughs) I do want to say, I actually, I mentioned this to you that I kind of like Oscar nomination morning a little more than the Oscar ceremony itself. Because by, like, Mm -hmm. the ceremony, the chances of a surprise are limited. The chances for a moonlight over La La Land situation. Is rare. It's rare. Yeah. And real surprises happen during the nominations. And like, Mm -hmm. no one is surprised that Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh got nominations. But everyone is surprised that Andrea Risenborough and Du Leslie got a nomination. (laughs) Are we surprised? Because did I not bring this up to you? (laughs) You and the the TikTokers. And I did read articles about this and what I was following. But I think what you don't realize is that she won nothing. She yeah. ha- she was not. On I realized no- that. That's why I thought it was. <laughs> she was not on any nomination. Like I just checked, she doesn't have a SAG. She didn't have a Golden Globe. She wasn't on Critics Choice. She wasn't on any critics list. Every anywhere. Gwyneth Paltrow is so proud of herself right now. Oh God, that's that pisses me off. <laughs> But I choose to believe it's Kate Winslet that really pushed people over the edge. I mean, that'd be nice if it was Kate over. Yeah. For those who don't know, To Leslie is a small independent film. And within the last month or so, a lot of celebrities have been coming forward and saying Andrea Risenborough is like fantastic in this film. She should be nominated for an Oscar. And they've been pushing the race for her, essentially. And so that's why it's so surprising to actually see her nominated this morning. A lot of white female celebrities yeah that's true yeah these uh these noms are they're not actually really white. that white you don't think i, I mean meet that like it is a predominantly white industry right like it is what it is you have 
two Asian nominations in Best Supporting Actress. You have a Black nomination, Best Supporting Actress. Anna Darmas is Cuban. Then you have, what's his name? Brian? Brian Tyree. Um, Henry? Henry. Yes. Him. I was thinking more in Best Actress. Yep. But I guess you do have Michelle Yeoh and... You do have Mich- and I think the thing is, when people talk about diversity, it seems to be a black and white situation. Mm-hmm. But it's not. There is actually quite a lot of Asian representation. There, You know, you can't forget that. Yes. I just... I'm very surprised about this too. Le- like, not... I am surprised about too, Leslie. Yes. Not surprised in the way of just like, what? But just like that it made it through that this like... Yeah, I guess I am surprised. Yeah. <laughs> like on all I don't know. Fronts, I'm still yeah. just coping with it. It's so it's so random. And she kicked out either Viola Davis or Daniel Deadweiler. Deadweiler. Yeah. So I to one of a black woman. So that is mm-hmm. saying something. You know, you did have these A-list white women celebrities who were championing Andrea Risenbro, but like who else voted for her? I don't, the Acad- I don't know. The Academy of Comedy members there like 9,000. Yeah. That's so that's that has to be a lot of people. I wish they released like numbers stats, too. Yeah, actual yeah. stats. But they Because didn't. I also like I didn't think Michelle Williams was gonna make it into the category. No, people like her, Mitha. I Despite guess despite so. what we thought, people liked people like Michelle Williams. That's true. And that I think is I can get behind that. Someone who did make it, because uh, I thought she might make it into supporting yeah. actress, but somebody who did make it into supporting actress that I am so happy to see is Stephanie Sue from Everything Everywhere All at Once. Yes, so happy about yes. Steph. So happy for Stephanie Sue. Really nice that all four of the lead actors got nominated for Everything Everywhere All at Once. That was incredible. As it should be. Yeah. What else? There were some real surprises. Best picture. Best picture. Pict- Let's get the best picture last. Okay. We'll get there. Let's talk about the All Quiet on the Western Front. 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 Having the front lead. Is it the amount? I'm just going to quickly, like, we're so early in this game that the articles haven't even come out about, like. Yeah, it's 9.53 a.m. where we are where right we now. Where we are right and now. The- and the, they finished less than an hour ago. So this is what um, The Hollywood Reporter is saying. Everything, everywhere, all at once leads the nomination list with 11, followed by All Quiet on the Western Front, The Banshees of Inishirin, Elvis... Oh, this is just naming them. Okay. <laughs> but <laughs> but everything everywhere that does leave with 11 nominations. And I think All Quiet did get some serious push through that. But I, they have a lot of technicals, whereas everything everywhere is like a lot of above the line nominations. Mm-hmm. And I think that's effing fantastic. It is. It's so good. It's so I nice to it. see a movie like that. A small, a small action film that wasn't Oscar baity. It wasn't trying to do something. And it just, it pushed through the noise and it made a scene. And that's lovely. And it's actually good. <laughs> it's actually good. There yeah. are, I will say, this is the first time since I'd say Parasite, especially the last two years, where the nominees feel like meaty. Mm, like yeah. you have something like Everything Everywhere, then you have Banshees of Inisherin, and you have Tar. Three exceptional films, I'd say, in a single year that all deserve to be where they are. And something that people should watch. Oh, like yeah. sometimes I feel like, is this really necessary? Do we need this other movie to like watch? Do we need to watch this movie again? Which I was not, not surprised. Well, I guess I don't know. I don't know how I'm feeling right now because yeah. it's just so new. But um, Babylon is like nowhere, nowhere to be seen. Yeah. Nowhere to be. And that usually is like an Oscar darling. It's a movie about Hollywood. Like, it is, but we saw it. Yeah. Yeah. And we said, probably not. Yeah. 
But I but I thought it probably still would because it did go into the precursors. Like it Golden did. Globes was in there. Yeah. It did. And I think so I think a couple of things, interesting things happened. The all quiet on the Western Front kind of surge was pretty major. And mm-hmm. I had heard a bunch of stuff about it being very good. It has very good reviews and people speak very highly of it. I didn't think it would be loved this much. Yeah. And then there was also Triangle of Sadness. Yeah. That got <laughs> Where it. Where did that come from? That really came out of nowhere. Yeah. Now I have to watch it. I'm kind of mad I have a lot more homework to do than I thought I did now. You have a lot of homework, actually. So I have... Well, the other thing I want to talk about before we talk about Best Picture, because it's the big one. Yeah. RRR got in for Best Song. Yeah. Not Do Not Do got a nomination, which is amazing. A mm-hmm. film that wasn't really anywhere else got, you know, this really niche nomination, which is excellent. I am disappointed it didn't get Best Picture, even though I'm I know. I'm disappointed too. We I, have to take the wins where we can exactly. get them. Exactly. <laughs> and, you you know, I'm very happy for it. And I think we all know that it was a real, like, that was a lark for that to happen. Yeah. I, I, the other thing I do want to address, though, is, well, let's talk about Best Picture. Okay. Let's talk about Do you want to talk about director first? Let's talk about director first. Okay. Okay. Because Mita, me Mita has a win and then she has a loss. <laughs> I, yes. Um, I have a win in that James Cameron was not nominated. And I'm really happy about why that. Do I don't know why him so I hate much. this man yeah. so much, but I do. <laughs> he directed a couple of movies that you really like, actually. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I have a bitter, I don't like his cockiness. It really yeah, bugs me. He is supremely cocky. Yeah. And like without reason. It is an interesting category this year because I don't know who is going to win this. I think. Let's name them out. At least for this and Best Picture, let's call them out. So it's Martin McDonough for Banshees of Inisherin, Daniel Kwan and Daniel Scheinart for Everything Everywhere All at Once, Steven Spielberg for The Fablemans, Todd Field for Tar. And the surprise to me was Ruben Oslund for Triangle of Sadness. Yes, that is a huge surprise, I think. That's a big thing because essentially that means that those five films are really the top five films. Mm-hmm. So that means Triangle of Sadness is quite up there. Which, really? Where did that come I from? Mean, Where did that push come Triangle from? I mean, Triangle of Sadness, but it did I win no. the Palme d'Or. That is true. Yeah. Deepika on her jury decided to yeah. vote for <laughs> Triangle of Sadness. Is it her jury or was she on the jury? I mean, she was the on jury. the jury and she probably <laughs> voted for it. But I'm just saying that this is Deepika was a, had a hand in awarding it. Because what I've heard from people who've seen it and the people I know who've seen it aren't really movie people. Like oh. they don't they don't follow all of this stuff. They didn't like it. Like they said that it, it's too divisive. So why did they watch it? Because they've heard things. I think they know about, I don't want to spoil it for people, but there's like a big scene that people have been talking about. Oh, okay. I know what you're talking about. so they about. wanted to see that big scene. Oh, okay. One person in particular, he was like, I usually like movies like this. Like he really enjoyed the menu, but like he didn't enjoy Triangle of Sadness. So have you seen Force Majeure? No. Which is the other one directed by the same director. Force yeah. Majeure is... Is um, downhill, downhill, right? But yes, which yes. we, yeah, we yeah. might watch that later. We might watch that later. Yeah. You should see Force Majeure. <laughs> okay. Force Majeure is really interesting. Very European. He also directed The Square, which I might watch at some point because mm-hmm. he does have interesting films. But I am looking forward to seeing Triangle of Sadness. But I've heard it's very divisive. It also doesn't have a very high Metacritic score. No. In, oh, interesting. So that's very interesting. But it, the Academy did love it. But I think Best Director is between the Quans 
and unfortunately, Steven Spielberg. Spielberg. Yeah. I think it might go to Spielberg. Steven. Yeah, I think they might. Split I this. want it to be the Quans. <laughs> if I had to, because that is such a feat. And like, honestly, I, I never understand why there is a difference between who wins Best Director and who wins Best Picture. Because if you're the Best Director, do you not have the Best Picture? Interesting. I think yeah. I can see how that could differ. Because if it's the best directed, it, I think it means like your vision and everything was great. Aligned, but I think best yeah. picture is kind of like, it's everything. I can kind of see the difference. It's kind of like Steven Spielberg winning for Saving Private Ryan, but Shakespeare in Love winning best picture. Mm-hmm. Like, do you see? I can't even tell you the name of the director of Shakespeare in Love. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's James Marigold. I don't remember. It's something. It's oh. one. It's one of those forgettable people yeah john madden is the one who directed shakespeare in love but yeah very unmemorable and then there's best picture so let's name them all so we have all quiet on the western front avatar the banshees of inisherin elvis everything everywhere all at once the fablemans tar top gun triangle of sadness and women talking what are our thoughts most of those i assumed i my first thought is oh shit i have to watch avatar and i have to watch avatar the way of water now which i really didn't want to do i was hoping some miracle would happen (laughs) that i could get away with it so i think i'm just mostly disappointed that i have to break my 13 year (laughs) streak of not having seen avatar surprised to see triangle of sadness and surprised to see woman talking surprised to see 10 I thought they were going to like play by their own rules this year and like limit it. No, I didn't. I thought there would be enough love to go around. Women Mm. Talking is a bit of a surprise, especially because it has two nominations. And you've seen it. And I've seen it. And I'll talk Mm -hmm. about it next week in our small talk. But I've seen it and I am a little surprised by the nomination. Interesting that Brad Pitt's not listed as a producer. One of the producers. Yeah. Huh. He might be an executive and not a producer producer. Fair. Well, Dee Dee Garner's there. Yeah, so we'll have to see. But I think overall, I think the other thing I just want to talk about is to couple Best Picture with Best Foreign Picture. I think it's really great that they have two foreign nominees in this list. It's really nice to see that. But I also just want to name the Best International Film nominees. We have All Quiet on the Western Front as well. Argentina 1985. Sorry, let me name the country at the same time. So you have All Quiet on the Western Front from Germany, Argentina 1985 from Argentina, Close from Belgium, EO from Poland, and The Quiet Girl from Ireland. Mm. I think I'm going to say this delicately. An all-European international feature list is really disappointing. Except for Argentina. Except for Argentina. But even there is something about... Argentina that is still ethno like ethno facing, yes, right like Euro sorry not ethno facing Euro facing, or like white facing or whatever you want to white call facing, it. There's no black. Yeah. There's no brown. There's no Asian. The decision to leave wasn't nominated. It's kind of crazy, and so and I think there were, you know, India and Pakistan had both been shortlisted for their films, Last Picture Show and Joyland respectively, and they didn't make the cut. But now you have an entire predominantly white list of foreign nominees and then your two foreign nominees in best picture which is nice also from white countries Mm. 
Mm. So did RRR stand a chance? No. <laughs> but I was still hoping. I was still I thought hoping, Twitter would, Twitter would rule it all. I I thought and I thought I thought there was hope for at least Joyland is getting a lot of praise and I thought there was some I thought there would be something. I thought decision to leave would make I think that to me is the most disappointing thing this morning. Mm-hmm. That the academy despite its attempts to be, you know, so What's the word I'm looking for? What's the word we all say? Diverse. <laughs> yeah. Despite trying to be so diverse, is still so white. Yeah. And we can't, they, there's no escaping it. And so there's does... There's still work to be done. It, it's, aside from work to be done, is it ever going to get past that? How do you change something that's been around for 90 something years? Right. Like how do you teach an old dog a new trick? And of that 90... Of that, sorry, of that 9,000 person makeup in the academy, how many of those are white and how many of them are people of color? Uh, yeah, they should. I would like to know that. These are all interesting questions. Who do questions. we get this info from? I actually think that's available online. Oh, okay. I actually think that's public information. But I think it's just, I think that's just something. It irked me the wrong way. Because you do have some diversity in your acting nominees and you have diversity even in your films. You do have everything everywhere all at once. Like there is, it's not, it is very white still the nominees for Best Picture. And I just want to also point out that Top Gun Maverick, I knew was going to get a Best Picture nomination. As a writer, I find it a little bit insulting that it got a Best Screenplay nomination. (laughs) Because that is not an incredible screenplay by any means. I... I agree with you. It's not an incredible screenplay, but I also, I don't think this is why it deserves its win. But I think when you think about what original Top Gun is and what this sequel has done, it's a rare instance when the sequel is actually better than the original. Sure. I'll give it that. Yeah. The screenplay is not the reason the movie is good, though. No. <laughs> no, it's not. It's um, it's Tom Cruise's like energy. Yeah, it's Tom it's Cruise. That. Yeah. So, yeah. Which is why I get why it's in Best Picture. Which is why I get it's in Best Picture. But yes, to yeah. go back to what I was saying, that Best Picture is still very white. Yeah. And it's surprising because they want to be so global. Like, it is based in Hollywood. Yeah. But they say that they are a global award show. Or at least they try they to try be a global to be. award show. Yeah. But I think there are things that are outside of the Academy's hands. The voting body is the voting body, and the voting body is going to vote on whatever they want to vote on. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like the academy, they can't fix that unless yeah. you try to over. Unless you look at like, okay, who is actually in this academy? Yeah, and let's try to make some positive changes. Unless you try to overhaul it of that nine thousand yeah. member body, and I don't know. Just if that's put Nadim and I, and we'll <laughs> we'll do it. We'll do it. We'll do it. We'll get some brown movies in there. But any final thoughts, Mita, before we? And how many movies do you have to watch? Few, because I I try to watch all of the acting categories and then also best picture and maybe like an animated. So I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen movies to watch. But that's including acting and animated features. And how many best picture noms do you have? Um, one, two, three, four, 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 four. But I'm probably going to go see Woman Talking this week, so. Okay. Yeah. What are you going to do about Avatar? I'm going to have to watch it, I guess. You should um, see it on a big screen. 
the second one, especially because it's like right there. I mean, it's still playing in theaters, so like I will. Yeah. I just I don't want to. <laughs> Maybe I'll go on Valentine's Day. <laughs> Why? Because like I'm not doing anything else. <laughs> Might as well go see it. <laughs> and it's I not like know. a date movie or something. Oh. Is it? Is it a date movie? No, it's not. Okay. People went on dates, but it's not a date movie. But yeah. Any other final thoughts? I'm still excited to see who's winning because there are some surprise nominees to me. In terms of who? Um, I'm interested to see what happens in this Best Actress. Could could Andrea Risenborough take it from Michelle? Yo, like I don't want that to happen. I don't think so. I want to see who's going to win actor in a leading role because I still think that's like... That's a little bit up for grabs, too. Yeah, there's three top runners there, and I want it to be Colin Farrell so badly, but I'm worried that it's going to be Austin Butler. Oh, I actually think it might be Brendan Fraser. Oh, really? Yeah, I think he... I have to watch The Whale still, too, so... Yeah, The Whale is on the list, too. I think Brendan Fraser has a bit more clout, Mm -hmm. so I think he might... uh, I mean, I think he might steal that. But I am excited to see what happens, because I also think directing... I'm hoping it's gonna be a surprise for us because i think it'll be spielberg but i'm hoping it's a surprise i'm hoping it's a surprise i really i'm really hoping it's a surprise because i would love and the i Daniels think i know who will win best picture what's your thoughts at this point yeah nom- first morning nominations give me we, we should move on because we've been talking for a while give me your predictions for picture director actor actress okay and supporting, prediction supporting. and like would want to win yeah. Or do, just prediction. Do, right now, do a will win, should win. Okay. Will win for picture. Oh, that is tough, actually. Now I think I, you know what? I'm going to put my will and should because I want to put positive energy out there mm-hmm. for everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay. That's what I, I want. We'll do this at the same time because we should just to speed things up. I'm will and should everything, everywhere, all at once. Okay. Good. Best director. Director. Um, will is probably Spielberg. Mm. Should is the Quan, the Daniels, Daniel Quan and Daniel Shiner. Right now, I'm agreeing with you. I'm yeah. hoping that the guilds will change that and that Will and Should will become the Quan, the Daniels. Yeah. Yeah. The Quans. Yeah. I feel so sorry I for know Shiner. The other, yeah. <laughs> Best. The Daniels. Actor. Actor. I have a sneaking suspicion that it might be Austin Butler okay. as Will Win. I should win is Colin Farrell. Okay. I yeah. think Will Win might be. Brendan Fraser at this point and should win mm-hmm. as Colin Farrell. Okay. With the caveat that I haven't seen either Elvis or The Whale just yet. Okay. Actress. Actress. Will and should yo. Will and should yo. Yeah. Supporting actor. Okay. Um, Will and should is Ki Hoi Kwan. Yeah. Will Kwan. and should is yeah. Ki Hoi Kwan and supporting actress. Will. I'm going to say it. Angela Bassett. Yeah. At this point. Sh- should. Stephanie Soy. Yeah. Sue. I'm agreeing yeah. with that, too. Angela Bassett will. Stephanie Sue should. And Marvel's going to hold that over us for the next 15 years. <laughs> She'll probably get a spinoff. Yeah, why not? Possibly. She's cool. So speaking of Oscar-nominated films. <laughs> or ones that won one. Yeah, more, yeah. more like ones that won. Mm-hmm. We what wa- did we movie. watch this week, Vita? <laughs> <laughs> this week we watched... The 1962 classic Lawrence of Arabia. Yes, Lawrence of Arabia. I don't know what I was trying to say, but it's Lawrence of Arabia. (laughs) Yeah, please. Okay, we'll tell the audience. We keep mistakenly saying Lawrence of 
Lawrence and his labia. Lawrence and his labia. <laughs> Which, you know, could be an interesting movie for 2024. Let's just put that out there. Exactly. There is probably a porn somewhere called Lawrence and his labia. Someone, I hope, took advantage of that. I hope so. And I, it, really I hope do. it takes place in the desert. Oh, but that's so dry. <laughs> <laughs> you need some moisture. <laughs> you didn't have to say it. <laughs> <laughs> People can necessary. just know. <laughs> oh, Mitha. Before this gets completely out of hand, Mitha, uh-huh. do you yes. want to give us a quick IMDb disco? Yes. The IMDb disco for Lawrence of Arabia is as follows. The story of T.E. Lawrence, the English officer who successfully united and led the diverse, often wearing Arab tribes during World War I in order to fight the Turks. Okay. That's a very I, wordy Wordy, log-log. yep. Yep. I didn't know that this was based on a true story. Oh, you thought this was fake? I, yeah. I, okay. yeah. I mean, I guess we'll go into, I have seen parts of Lawrence Ara- yeah. of Arabia in my lifetime. Not saying labia is going to be so hard. <laughs> <laughs> Calling it by its proper name, really going to be well, an issue. We're just going to call it Lawrence. Yeah. I have seen parts of Lawrence throughout my lifetime, mm-hmm. never in its full form, never from okay. start to finish. And like, if you would ask me, uh, b- before last week when I watched this, like to tell you what Lawrence of Arabia is about, I couldn't really tell you because I never watched it really. Mm. And the whole time I always thought that this was just a fictional story. No, this happened. Yeah, it's there legit. Was a white man who saved the Arabs. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Lawrence. Lawrence. What a guy. Big guy. So I want to actually start this conversation by asking you, because mm-hmm. you watched this before me, like a day before me. Yes. And you spent specifically told me that mm-hmm. if I'm going to do this in multiple sittings to watch the second half, which is significantly shorter, it's only an hour and 20 minutes, watch it in one go and yeah. not to split it, not to split the second half up. Yes. Talk to me about why. Well, first I'll start with how I watched it. Okay. Because I started it late on a Saturday evening okay. and I thought I'd maybe get like an hour in. Yeah. And then I would take a break. And then I wanted to do it in three days. Because this movie, to start with everybody, um, it is three hours and 45 minutes long. Yep. And so I thought I would do it in three parts. Okay. <laughs> About an hour or an hour and a half each, depending. Yeah. And I started it on Saturday and I got through the hour and I was still watching it. I was like, okay, like I could, I could probably do another mm. hour. I didn't know when the intermission was. Yeah. And so I got to this, the like close to the second hour, and I was just like, okay, like how much more do I have of this? Where's the intermission? So I paused and I just like scanned on the yeah. Apple. You know how you can do that? You can do that. And I was like, oh, it's not for it's for another twenty minutes. I'll just finish this first half, and I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And I did it on the Saturday, and I was like, okay, great. And then I watched all of the second half on like Sunday morning. Okay. Second half for me was so much more exciting. I felt more, I was more interested in what was going on there. I really didn't care about the journey to the desert, but I cared about what hap- what's happening like in the desert and after. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's why I thought it would make more sense to like the part that I like the most to watch in one go okay. as opposed to watching all of the first part in one chunk. Because that I actually think I could have split up. Yeah. Yeah. But I just didn't finish it all in one go because by the time I finished the first part, it was close to 1 a.m. And I was like, I'm not going to stay up for another hour. Yeah. 
<laughs> that's a recipe for disaster in that kind of movie. Exactly, yeah. Because you'd have to stay up to like 3 a.m. realistically, like 2.30. That's late. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nah, that's not me. That's also, not- the fact that I stayed up that late in itself is like pretty amazing. Because yeah. if you know me, I don't yeah. like to stay up late at that all. Not a, that doesn't do it late. I like to be in bed by like 10.30. Which is fair. <laughs> Yeah, so, but I was just like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do it this weekend. Let's get her done. And I did. Yeah, no good for you. Yeah. Did you agree with my suggestion? Do you have different feelings towards it? Are you upset? So I watched it. I watched it in two chunks, actually. Yeah. I watched one chunk in the afternoon, Sunday afternoon, about an hour and 20. And then in the evening, I watched the other hour and then I messaged me that I'm like, all right. It's nine o'clock right now. I know there's only about an hour and 20 left. Do I just do it? And then I just did it and I watched it in one go. Yeah, down the hatch. I was kind of super curious about what you were implying because in my head, I was like, oh, she liked the second half much more than the first half. And I Mm -hmm. like that. That's kind of what I assumed. And it's interesting because I think I expected the second half to be different than it was. Mm. I do like it retrospectively. I think I expected it to be more adventure or more action-y or something. And it ends up being more drama. Yeah. Like way more drama. And I wasn't expecting that. But like intriguing. I will say I think I like the first half more. Oh, interesting. Look at us and our opposing views. It's super interesting that you actually say that because it's a very long film. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't need as many shots of the desert and people walking through the desert. <laughs> but I was still fascinated by all of that. And I think I was interested to see what would transpire. Like I was I liked the adventure of it all. Like I really did enjoy what was happening. I liked his interaction with the Arabs and all of that. And, you know, we'll get to all of that later. But I did overall really enjoy the first half. The second half, I just, I wasn't prepared for what it became. Mm. And because it, it didn't seem like it was going in that direction. Because for our listeners who don't know, essentially it becomes a drama about whether it was a good idea to do what they did. Yeah. In many ways. And then the story ends about whether Lawrence was ever going to be content or happy. With what he did. With yeah. what he did, yeah. Or whether... Where would he fit in in his life? Like, because he wasn't Arab and he became very egotistical. Like, that does actually touch on some really interesting things, but it just wasn't where I was expecting it to go. What were you expecting? So I was under the impression that they would, they got to Aqaba and then Mm -hmm. I thought we would see the coup itself against the Turks. Mm. Like, I thought there would be a big battle kind of thing. And I thought that we would see a little bit more of these these tribes these arab tribes that have been like warring for so long come together in unison and then there'd be like a big dramatic kind of cinematic fight at the end That's i like I that thought. this is a bit more cerebral yeah, I, yeah and i totally in retrospect really like what they did with it especially because it felt very true to form mm-hmm. but again just not what i expected I also think um, the parts that I have seen before were all from the first part. I don't, I could not recall anything in the second part. Mm -hmm. So I think that was, it was also all very new to me. And that's, it's the more cerebral part of the movie itself, which I think was exciting to me. And while I was watching it, I was thinking like, oh, I could see why Nadim's dad likes this so much. (laughs) Because I, from what I, I've never met your dad, but from what I 
understand of him. <laughs> that is his gist. Like, that's his vibe. Yeah. And He's, also, yeah. Muslim people like to like other Muslim people in art, whether it's good or not. So there's like <laughs> definitely some of that. Because at least they tried. Because <laughs> at least they tried. And I will say that about Lawrence of Arabia. They There is definitely an attempt. Mm-hmm. And at least in casting Omar Sharif, they have someone Arab. Yes. It's the first non-white person in brown face. And there's a lot of white people in brown face in this film. Yes, there is. <laughs> <laughs> Many Alec of which, Guinness. <laughs> Alec Guinness. And there's another one. Jose Ferrer. And another one. Another famous one. Um, oh, God. It was on the tip of my tongue, and now I can't remember it. Oh, Anthony Quinn? Yeah, Anthony Quinn. So that's a thing. And I didn't find it as shocking as I have. But here's the thing, Mita. Are we becoming desensitized as viewers? Maybe, like, going through all these. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps. I think I don't agree with it. I don't agree, like, you should, people should put on brown face or black face. But I also didn't disagree with it. I didn't hate it. <laughs> like, I, I, didn't, like, I don't uh, know what that t- means about me. I guess I wouldn't be, I would be canceled on TikTok for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Amongst your people, they would reject you. <laughs> Amongst me and the Gen Z. You and the Gen Zs. <laughs> yeah. I think what it was for me was, look, they did hire Omar Sharif. And he has a very big role. And this is before Omar Sharif was Omar Sharif. Mm-hmm. So point. You know, definite point. Good job. Who else are they casting to play Arab men? Also, not a single vagina in this movie. But also, I didn't miss the I, vaginas. I didn't. I didn't. It didn't I didn't miss feel... them. I was like, no, I'm glad you didn't just like put someone in there. Yeah. For the some, sake like, of putting someone in dancer, there. Belly dancer, essentially. Exactly. Yeah. Or like, ex- some seductress. <laughs> like, that's some just what Shirley MacLaine. Oh my god! <laughs> but that's the thing. Like Shirley MacLaine and Around the World in eighty days made me very made me livid. I was just like, really? Like you couldn't have found some brown girl to just place in there? You yeah. didn't. Need, Shirley MacLaine wasn't even Shirley MacLaine yet. Like it wasn't necessary. No, you just needed a beautiful woman. You could have found one. <laughs> and had I think her the issue there. with Shirley MacLaine was also it wasn't just that it was Shirley MacLaine. It was that her costume was so awful. Well, yeah, they didn't drape those saris, right? They didn't drape those saris. It was it was so terrible. This felt like, fine, Anthony Quinn is playing, you know, and Alec Guinness are playing Arab men. Mm-hmm. But Alec Guinness, I actually had to be like, wait, I feel like I've seen this face before. Like, I, there was a moment where I was convinced. Yeah. So they That he was an that, Arab man. he was an Arab man. It like, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi? More, sorry? Uh, were you like, that's Obi-Wan Kenobi? Yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> I did not. Like, I was surprised, actually, when I figured it out. So I think that was also it. It felt like there was a little bit more authenticity here. Yeah. Or an it didn't feel caked on. No. Yeah. And I think the other issue was that I think we have to, when we watch these movies, we have to give them a, a grain of salt. Like, mm-hmm. you really do have to forgive some things. You can't just be like, well, they should have hired Arab men because none of those men, sorry, none of those men, aside from Omar Sharif, is Arab. Some of the background actors must be because there's hundreds of people in this film. Yeah. And but none of the major speaking roles are. But I get that. I get that from there there was probably a time where it was really hard to find these people. Mm -hmm. And I think we come from a place of like, even in casting Shirley MacLaine, there was no Internet. How are white people working in LA supposed to know, you know, Wahida Rahman is a is a person who exists in India? 
Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like, how are people supposed to know that there is, like, and how hard would it have been to do that research? Yeah. Like, you couldn't go and find Dilip Kumar and put him in this movie or something. Yeah. Like, it's yeah. just not easy to do that and to know that Dilip Kumar has, do you know what I mean? Has stature and all of that. Now there's no excuse. And it's not just awareness. It's also the access to information, I think, that makes that possible. Mm-hmm. Like, you can literally just be like, if you're casting in, like brown people in a movie, you could just be like Arabs, for instance. You could just be like famous Arab actors. <laughs> and you will get a list of them. <laughs> you know, you'll get a list of them. And also, like, you've seen a separation. You've seen movies from the Middle East. You've seen Indian movies. Like, there has been an awareness. And at the time, that awareness was not just ignorance. It just was hard to get that information, I think. The world has changed for the better in that respect. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and this movie never felt... The way around the world in 80 days actually felt offensive at times. This actually didn't feel offensive. No, and I... I didn't even, I, I knew that it wasn't Arab actors, but I also was just like, I'm not going to look it up. Like, I'm not going to, because what is on screen is working for me. Like, this is so beautiful to watch. Oh my too. God, the cinematography is it's immaculate. <laughs> yeah, it's so, it, but I also think part of it is, um like, they, the cinematography and then also the lighting, like, I wasn't questioning it. In any way, I was like, that looks like a little too brown or a weird, like an off-tone brown. They knew what they were doing here. The makeup was also great because that Mm -hmm. brown face never at one point was just like, you need to like tone that down because Alec Guinness looked like an Arab man. Well, even like having Peter O'Toole, he seems like a little orange in it, but he would get tan if he was like in, yeah, that would happen. There would at points, I was like, is that sunburn? And I'm like, that makes so much sense because a white British man going to hair, the desert yeah. would get sunburn. Absolutely. Yeah. There's some Im- amazing shots. There's one particular shot. And you know what? This was one of the movies where I'm like, you know, I'm so fortunate and also glad that I waited till now to watch some of these movies because I'm able to watch them on my home big screen. Mm-hmm. And some of these movies are meant to be watched on a big screen, man. There's like shots of the, there's like one memorable shot of like, it's an entire screen, but all you have at the bottom are these camels, very, very tiny camels moving across the desert. Mm-hmm. And it's just the expanse of the desert for the rest of this, the frame. And the camera is like panning around and it's like, oh, damn. But did you find the horizon? You found the horizon, and it's just like I did find the horizon. Thank you, Stephen. That's Spielberg. a joke from the Fableman. Yes, <laughs> but I did find the horizon, and I was like, "This is incredible!" Or beautiful again when they actually like invade Aqaba, and you see the the cavalry essentially coming into the city, and like this is so amazingly directed and shot. It's really something. And again, it's it's similar to Ben Hur, where it it's not CGI; like it's all. <sighs> They actually had to do this. Omar yes. Sharif coming onto that from that camel, from the, all yeah. the sand covering him. They actually did that. And it always makes me wonder how. Because like that shot where he's out of the horizon and then has to come in. Someone's like screaming to him, action. And, like, you're waiting. <laughs> they probably couldn't like, hear him. Yeah. There's probably so much like luck and chance that happened. So much. Or there's like a spot boy who's like. Okay, we're going to shoot in like three minutes. I'm going to like clock you down. And like, it's probably such a like coordination to do, but it's so, it's. But so worth it. So worth it. It's an amazing experience. It would be so much fun to be a part of too. Like, could you imagine being in the 60s and shooting this and like getting to be on that set and like seeing all of this come to life? 
Yeah. Whereas now it's like, oh, I'm an editor behind a computer. Tick tock, tick tock. Okay, it's yeah. done. <laughs> tick tock, tick tock. And that's what yeah. you're shooting. Like most of this would have been shot on green screen. Ew. And, and it just, right? There's it something just... so like, there's something about the experience of watching it as well that just like makes it worthwhile. Again, and I sh- walked into this thinking I'm going to be so bored. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. was this. I was looking forward to Ben Hur more than this. Oh. And I was definitely like, oh, I think this is going to be boring. But I think I actually enjoyed this more than Ben-Hur. Oh, yeah. Like, I was really actually impressed in this. Story, too, though. Yes. I typically don't like world war or wars in general. I've said it before and I'll say it mm-hmm. again. But this, I actually, I think it's more it's more strategic than most war films are. And also, it's in a different locale. Like, it's World War One, but you're not showing me Europe. You're showing me something I've never seen before. And something I didn't even know happened. Like, I was not was aware that this was what was going on yeah. during that time. I think the world has sort of saturated us with, like, Europe and all that's happened within there, but yeah. not anything outside of that. Yeah, exactly. So it's a different perspective of that same story. Like, you didn't mm-hmm. think... You never think of World War One from the perspective of anybody else other than the Germans and like the French and the Americans and the maybe the Canadians and like it's so Euro. Franz Ferdinand, that's like all I remember. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And that's a very interesting point because again It was a world war. Yes. <laughs> it wasn't just one or two continents involved. Yeah, that were all happened to be white based. Yeah. So proud of Lawrence of Arabia for <laughs> for being from that time. And like, I mean, yes, there are some mistakes there in terms of casting and whatnot, but like impressive to tell this story then too. Are they mistakes in the time? No, they're not mistakes then. Exactly. What else? Are they? Yeah. And that's the thing. I don't think I'm just saying that for Gen Z so they don't come for me. We can't hold these movies accountable to the present. No. I don't think that's a fair assessment. And the more I watch them, the more I realize that, like, I think they're just trying to do their best at the time. This is also a movie in the 60s. You know, we haven't really seen Arab people represented at all. Mm -hmm. And yes, there is definitely a white savior hangover here. Mm. Like, that is a part of it. There's an there's there's a. A side that makes the Arabs look savage. There's a side that makes them look uncouth. There's all of that stuff. But I think they also balance it out by having the white British people be racist. Yeah. And it's also, it's a story about a man's journey in discovering himself. He questions the his own actions. Like, he is a white savior in a lot of ways, but he's also not 100% comfortable with it. No, exactly. Yeah. And he recognizes that, like, who is he to these mm-hmm. people? Yeah. But, like, he, and he has a speech at one point where he says, I can lift out of here, essentially. And, like, it doesn't affect me. But, like, so who are these people to be following what I'm saying and doing what I'm saying? And that crisis of consciousness what was really interesting to see, for sure. Do you know who loves this movie and has used it recently for inspiration? Oh, tell me. Denis Villeneuve. Really? Denis loves Lawrence of Arabia. There's a YouTube video you can watch where he like talks about seeing it for the first time. And he definitely used um, some of the things that he saw growing up in Dune. Yeah, you can see that. And now in Dune 2. And now in Dune 2. You can totally see that. Yeah. Just like shooting locale in itself. I think they're both in Jordan. Yeah. (laughs) The the mystery of the desert and camels. The desert is wild, man. It is wild. I... Forget people live there. Like I had a boss that is from Egypt and yeah. she went home 
um, once and she was like posting in our Slack like pictures from home and she literally was just like at a cafe and behind her were the pyramids. <laughs> I was just like, just what? Super casual, yeah. <laughs> yeah, super casual, just like by the pyramid. <laughs> but that's people's life, right? Like but that's you, their, yeah. We live in the capital of Canada and like I remember what someone was just like, but you live in the capital and parliament is right there. And I'm like, so? So? It's not like it's the Eiffel Tower or, you know, but. It's not like the Taj Mahal. Like I'm not living. In yeah, like, I'm not living yeah. there. But I guess that's what it is to people. Like it is just the pyramids. They're so pretty. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah. Shot in, shot beautifully in some movies. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about Peter O'Toole for a second. Okay. Yeah. What are your feelings towards good old Pete? I don't know. I don't like T.E. Lawrence. Like I'm not. Kay. He's not my guy. But I think that that's the point. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't think I'm supposed to be in awe of this man. Like. He is Lawrence of Arabia, but yeah. I don't think we're supposed to, like, bow down to Lawrence. Yes. And I think he does a good job of that. Yeah, I'll say that. I also love that they never call him Lawrence of Arabia in the film. Yeah. Like, there's so there's a huge question of his identity and who is he and all of that. And I kept on Arabia, expecting guys. him to say, someone to be like, are you Lawrence of Arabia? Or I am Lawrence of Arabia. And they yeah. never say it. And I, I really like that. Mm-hmm. I respect it. I respect it. I hate when the title shows up because the title should be like thematic. Mm. It shouldn't be like, it's like in Gone Girl if someone had called Amy, oh, she's a Gone Girl. She's you know, a it's, Gone Girl. It's, it's just so cheesy. <laughs> Could you imagine? Yeah. It would be Casey Wilson's character. Yeah. She is a Gone Girl, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been something like that. That's what have been. But I hate yeah. when they do that. But yes, all the, going back to uh, Peter O'Toole and L- Lawrence himself. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying that it, it definitely isn't, they're not, trying to canonize him he's not meant to be heroic and so like you're meant to kind of question his motives and everything and find him wishy-washy in which case he does do it well i was just gonna say like i thought his death was weird but like if that's how he died in real life then that's how he died in real life that's life baby right like that's what it was but i think i mean it's a little quick but i'm sure a see an interesting sequel would be like what was between death and coming home. Yeah. Um, there are sequels that were made. Are there? <laughs> yeah, but I don't think they... Are any good? Any good. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's the same people. I, I didn't even look into it. I just saw the posters on IMDb. And they kind of look like made-for-TV movies. Oh, they might be. Just based off those posters. But I didn't really do any research. But there is... I forgot what it was called. But it was like Lawrence of something... Uh, Lawrence After Arabia oh. is what it was called. Yeah. <laughs> So like not good. And then I saw one that I think they tried to remake this with uh, Ray Fiennes. Oh, really? Yeah. That's not terrible casting, actually. It's not Although, terrible casting, but I don't think it's necessary. It's very English patient. Yeah. yeah. We're going to have to watch that. <laughs> We're going to have to watch. Have you ever seen English patient? Uh-uh. I was five when that came out. I, <laughs> I mean, you don't have to have seen it just then. I don't know. I probably wouldn't. Yeah. Lawrence After Arabia came out in 2021. Oh. Yeah. What? Starring Brian Cox. What? Yeah. Succession. Yeah, Succession. <laughs> Let me see this. Then there was another one. Like, I think they've tried a bunch of times. Lawrence After Arabia. There is one with Michael Maloney. Who's that? I don't know who Michael Maloney is. Well, Brian Cox is just like, he does the He's epilogue. He's Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this guy has There's actually a been in some things. Character titled Sarah Lawrence. 
I mean, he probably marries someone. All this to say, don't you don't need sequels. There is, sorry, it's A Dangerous Man, Lawrence After Arabia. It's a 1992 TV movie with Ray Fiennes as Lawrence and Alexander Siddig as Faisal, who I think that's just a French actor. So they're trying to make him seem like he's brown. He could be, actually. He could be Persian, maybe. Alexander Siddig? Yeah, he seems... Persian? Yeah, Persian. There you go. Anyways, I'm not watching Someone plays Winston Churchill. Maybe I'll... No, I'm not going to No, you're not going to watch this. (laughs) I'm not going to do that. Because I think the other problem with these sequels is that, like, now that we've spent, like, a good five minutes talking about them, is that they (laughs) they do soil the original. Yeah, this is really... This is a really good movie. Yeah. Yeah. You don't need to talk about the sequel. We don't need a sequel. We don't need oh, a sequel. Oh. And these movies should stay the same. But it also made me realize that, like, after while I was watching it, 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 there is a real lack of movies like this anymore. Do you know that? You, know, feel, you don't get these epic films. You don't get these epic films that have Dune. an epilogue and an introduction, you know, and like an intermission and post credit music. And like, it feels like an event. Right? You don't get movies like that anymore that are based on true stories. Uh, definitely not true stories, but yeah. also even like fiction. Even if this was fiction, let's say, you know, three hours and 45 minutes is really long for a film. Mm-hmm. And nowadays they would break it up. They'd make two two-hour films and like add some other meat in there to make it work. But yeah. there is something to be said about this film being a one film experience. Uh, yeah, because I guess you would have to sit there for all. It's not even like Gangs of Wasipur where like people didn't sit there for the six hours that it is. Yeah, and the problem with Gangs of Wasipur is it was actually meant to be one five-hour, five-and-a-half-hour film that no mm-hmm. one would show. Oh, so, they'd so that's have why he to be split, split it? it? Yeah, he had to split it. Hmm, interesting. I guess like if you're going to think of anything in recent, and I think this probably would have been more of an epic for people would have been Dune, Dune if it didn't come out in 2021. Yeah. And like, you know, Denny is my boy and I respect Dune and all of that. But it is definitely, you know, Dune is just not the same, no. you know? And I these the part one and part two of it all is really ruining it as well. I really enjoyed part one. No, I'm sure you did. But I'm saying that like... Splitting it up and having like two years. Yes. Yeah. And like having to wait the momentum. Like imagine, let's say that this had been split and you had part one and then part two. Part two actually is better because of part one. Like that momentum and that story and that emotion, like it's all there. We're waiting two years for Dune 2. You're going to forget do you think, wait, did they, I can't remember, did they split it up because they still hadn't even given him the go-ahead for yeah, two? Yeah, that was a part of oh, it. That's really shitty of them. Yeah. They should have, they should know. That it was going to be successful. They yeah. should know, yeah. It got the green light pretty much right away, mm-hmm. but it, it's kind of just like, I don't know, something like Dune is a great example of a film that maybe could have been three and a half hours. And just like, look, if Bar- Barbarian, if Babylon can be three hours and hours, 10 minutes. I can, yeah. Yeah. Like Dune could have been nearly four hours and we could and give it an intermission. And Did he it- write the script too? Did he? I, I don't know. I don't Because blame- Dune is a movie that has previously been a movie that was one movie. That was a two hour film. I'm saying make this a four hour. Four epic. hour movie. Yeah. yeah. And have people sit through it. Yes. Eric Roth, uh, interesting. Villeneuve. I don't know if as a ticket goer, like I would be discouraged. Yes, I'm sure. And that's a part of it, Mita, is that like 
people don't have the time, they don't have the inclination to want to do that. And there is, you know, people paid money to go sit in a theater for four hours and watch Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. And here's the thing, like, I am the person to do it because I do have the time. Yeah. <laughs> like I'm not, I'm not married. I don't have children around. Yeah. Like I have my, my time is my own. So I could go and sit and see a movie for four hours if I wanted to, but I also don't know if that's how I want to spend my time. It's just a shame I find because there is something magical about that experience. And mm-hmm. you can say the same thing about Gone with the Wind and even Ben-Hur. These movies have, their length is almost a part of the magic. Yeah. I'll say that because the length, because they're well-made movies. If they were shitty movies, I wouldn't say that. But because they're well-made movies, it allows you to just immerse yourself in that world for so much longer. So let's say, let's say the world is your oyster. Like you had a whole day to yourself and they were going to go play Lawrence of Arabia at a theater in Ottawa. Like, would you go and see, I mean, let's pretend you don't have a theater at home. (laughs) Would you go and see it in a theater? Would you spend the three hours and 40 something minutes? So I've never seen it before. No, you, let's say you have, oh, well, I guess, okay. For sake, let's say you, you haven't seen it before, but then also if you haven't, if you have. I think if I have the no, mm-hmm. because my time is finite, Mita. Like, that's the problem. You're right. Yeah. That is a big part of it. But if this, let's say Dune came out mm-hmm. and Dune was four hours and it was touted as having an introduction. There was a 15 minute intermission. There was, they had like built it in to be like, this is a long affair, but you're going to like fall into it. I would do it. Okay. Do you know if at that time and in the intermission, say like let people... Like, you could leave and go to the washroom? Yeah, I think that was the idea that, like, as opposed... Like, in India, it says intermission and the projector stops, right? Like, the projector stops, the lights go on, you have 15 to 20 minutes to actually do something. What The only time I've ever seen it is, like, in Bollywood movies. Yeah, in Bollywood movies. And when I've seen those in theaters, it was, like, it was put on by, like, the community. And so they would open it up and you could go get samosa. So I didn't know if that was, like, a thing. So in India, that's actually exactly how they do it. They actually okay. turn it off, the lights go on, whatever. The one time I saw it here was when Joe Dagbar actually played at Cineplex. And they, mm-hmm. Joe Dagbar is nearly four hours and they give an intermission. Oh, I saw that at, I think it was at the High Commission. But they do give it an intermission because it's long. Yeah. And it needs an intermission. But also, I'm glad Joe Dagbar is nearly four hours because I don't need to see two parts of it. No. Do you have sequel prequel ideas? No, like I don't. I like no. this the way it is. I just want to keep it. Yeah, it doesn't need it doesn't need we don't need Lawrence after, uh, you know, Lawrence after his labia. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You want to shoot me a rating? Uh, Yeah, sure. I mean, you technically. So here's the thing. I okay. here's the thing, people. I have (laughs) I I am challenging myself to watch 365 movies this year. It's an impressive feat. Oh, 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 before you get there. Yes. And I know. Does it deserve best picture? Yes, exactly. Okay, I'll get to that when I get to my rating. Okay. Okay. Um, but yes, I have am challenging myself to watch 365 movies this year. And so I have a spreadsheet so that I can stay on top of things and mm-hmm. be accountable. And I gave Nadeem access to my spreadsheet so he can keep me accountable <laughs> to make sure I get to this goal. And I may or may not have... No, I did. I wrote my rating for Lawrence of Arabia in there. Mm-hmm. I wrote it immediately after. Mm-hmm. And I have different feelings now. Oh. Yes. So at the time, at the time I'll start, I wrote three and a half stars. She did. That's what I'll tell everybody now. 
it, I watched this a week, almost, no, it feels like a week ago, but it was like what, three days three ago. Days, yeah. <laughs> but in that three days, it really has sat with me. And what I will say about Lawrence of Arabia, it really did push me to watch more movies. I was at like a pretty, I wasn't obtaining my goal when I started Lawrence of Arabia. And then I kind of like kicked it into high gear. And I was like, yeah, I need to watch movies. Like, this is enjoyable. This is a feat. Like, this is something I need to get done. Mm-hmm. And I love when a movie does that. Like, when it's actually able to yeah. to present something to you like you've never seen it before. And honestly, I've never seen anything like this before, even though I've seen parts of it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All of it in one shot is yeah. so different. And so exciting and not like anything that we're we're getting today because then after I watched a lot of more recent films Mm -hmm. and like I was very disappointed with a lot of them. And a lot of times I'd say back to myself like, yeah, but it's not like, you know, Omar Sharif, (laughs) Lawrence (laughs) of Arabia. It's not as exciting as that. And the other thing that this movie had done is taken a subject matter, which I really don't like. (laughs) <laughs> which is war. I never find it interesting and compelling. And it turn it tells the story in a way that is actually different. I can't think of movies that have come since that I'm like, oh, yes, this is the side of war that I'm interested in and the side of war that I've never seen before. I felt like I knew everything about World War One. Like I took grade 10 history. I should know yeah. everything about World War One. And I had no idea about any of this. And it's just so exciting and exhilarating and not like anything that is being made today. And so I changed that three and a half to a solid four. Very nice, Mitha. Yeah. So that's that's it for Lawrence and his labia. I was a little surprised, actually, when I saw 3.5 because I was just like, wow, that seems low. It felt low. It did. Yeah. It feels low. After you, yeah, you called it out and then I was sitting there and I was like, is it three and a half? And I think I just wrote it really quickly. Yeah. I was like, yep, three and a half done. But now I've had three days. Especially considering what you told me, I was expecting you to like it more because it really made it sound like, no, I love the second half. Watch the second half in one go. Unless the second half had been like terrible and you're like, just watch it in one sitting because you don't want to like torture yourself that much. But I was just like, it can't, that can't be it. So I did. I really I enjoyed like, the second half. Yeah. And then when you were saying that, I was just like, oh, there's no way she's keeping it at three and a half because it just doesn't make sense. But also the second half is shorter. So it's just easier to do in one go as opposed to the first half. But I was very specific with you. I was like, at most, you can do this into three parts. I would not have done this into four parts. No. I think you would have lost traction there. Yeah. And I think that's one thing I actually realized watching it was... Initially, my plan was to split it up into three parts. I was going to watch it over my lunches. And I had said, okay, I'll take like an extra 10 to 20 minutes every day and just do it. So it won't be like, it'll be easy. And then I did it in one day. And I was just like, that definitely changed how I felt about this film. Mm -hmm. The, The momentum and the energy and all of that, it feeds off of each other. And I got to say, I appreciate that studios at the time allowed this to happen. That, the you know, David Lean and like David Lean, man, that is you know you were like your filmography is incredible right now because even the bridge over the river Kwai, which i didn't love as much there's such artistry in his filmmaking and such mm-hmm. like such attempts at doing things like he's not sitting around like let's just do the same thing over he's like i did that what else can i do now yeah how can i top that how can i top that and he does and the bridge over the on the river Kwai is not a small film it is a giant scale film 
with an incredible ending, and this manages to top that, and that is really saying something. It's really, really impressive. And again, you have to give it to studios that they allowed this to happen. They were they got behind this crap because they were like, you want to make a four-hour film about a man in the desert amongst a bunch of Arabs? All right, here is like 15 million or whatever at the time. And you would, you're, you're just not going to get that now. And that no. sucks because I think something like Dune could really benefit from that. Mm-hmm. I really truly think something like Dune could benefit from being forced to be one big film. And, you know, I think Lord of the Rings, I understand why they split it up into three films because you're talking nine to ten hours of cinema. That's too long. But that was the one that, but that's the one that started this trend. It's the one that started the trend of like splitting up a single film. And then you have all these films, you know, trilogies or books that are based, you know, movies that are based on three books that are put into four movies like The Hunger Games. And it's so, it's just so money grabbing. Yeah. I hate That's really it. the only reason why they do it. Like There's... Twilight, I think, was the first one to do it. Uh, was, was, was it like, not really? Harry Potter? That one I get. <laughs> Did you? The Deathly Hollows That needed that to be last book is long. <laughs> it is long. But the okay. first movie is kind of like an introduction to the last movie. But I feel like seven part one, you need like you need all of that con- because there are going to be a ton of people in that franchise, especially who will just like start at the last one. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, they did it. Yeah. Twilight did it. There was, yeah, the uh, Hunger Games. Divergent was meant to do it, but they never got there because it was so bad. <laughs> they wanted to do a TV show and Shailene Woodley was like, no. <laughs> no, she realized she was too good for that. Yeah. But they do a lot of that. And it's just, I don't know, they're doing it some, something else now is meant to be like a two-part like finale. And it's just, I don't know. It's very money grabby. It just feels gross. And I think what is nice about Lawrence is that nothing feels gross about this. Nothing feels icky. Nothing feels like it's a money grab. This was a movie made authentically for a movie-going experience, not mm. to drain money goer, moviegoers sorry, of, their, of their money. It feels an authentic film-going experience, and it has. it's really rare these days. I can't think of a film that I would describe as an authentic film-going experience. And some people might say Avatar, but yeah, Amita's making a face and I'm like, that's the face I will make too. I just don't think it's it's not the same experience that it's meant to be five films. I have no idea why. I feel so bad because I've never seen them, but I do make that face every <laughs> time someone makes it out. I don't know. I just, I think the whole thing is kind of icky, the commerce of it. And when you watch something like this, this feels like a film fan who made a film for film fans. Hmm. And it's just, you know, we don't have that anymore. Did it deserve Best Picture, Mita? <laughs> I don't think we even need to. Like, I know we, but just should to, we go through what else was nominated? Let's to go be through nice. what else was nominated, just to say their names. So what also was nominated was Mutiny on the Bounty, which you're probably thinking, like, didn't you guys already watch yeah. that? There's a remake of it, and it apparently was nominated for an Oscar with Marlon. Uh, with who? Marlon Brando. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you know that originally David Lean had thought about Marlon Brando for the Peter O'Toole role? Oh, really? Yeah. I could see that. He also thought about Albert Finney, which we'll bring up. We'll bring up for next week. Yeah, next week. Yeah. So, Mutiny on the Bounty, uh, The Longest Day, which I've never heard of, no. The Music Man, and To Kill a Mockingbird. And mm-hmm. the Atticus Finch of it all. My runner-up would be To Kill a Mockingbird because that's course. the yeah, but a very different film. A very different film. <laughs> different film. Say just not as cinematic. Not as cinematic, but but 
still has its moment in time and like part of the lex- yes, like pop exactly. culture lexicon for very different reasons. For very different reasons. It just doesn't yeah. have the same potency, I'd say. Yeah. And I feel like more people have more people have probably seen To Kill a Mockingbird because of Grade 9 English. Like Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> absolutely. That's the thing. So, Although yes. here's but here's something I would like to say. Grade 10 history teachers Show this movie in your yeah, class. This is really, it's fascinating. Do it over three days. Yep. Show people like this. Show a different side of World War One. Yep. Yeah. So yes, this did deserve Best Picture. Absolutely. No 100%. doubt about it. It's a classic. I get it, Daddy. I understand why you wanted me to watch this for all these years. And I can finally tell you I did. And I can also tell you I gave it four stars. Oh, look at us. Yeah. Just four-starring it up. I, so you mentioned David Lean. I've never seen Dr. Zhivago. Should I put that on my list for this year? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it shows up as a Best Picture nominee in three films. So you could watch it in that time frame. But watch it. Dr. Zhivago is an experience, too. And then the other one that's on his um, known for is Brief Encounter. Have you seen that? I've never seen Brief Encounter. Maybe I'll watch that. It's from 1945. I think David <laughs> Lean became David Lean much later on. Like in the 50s, like with yeah. Bridge on the River, River Kwai. Even like maybe before that with like, I don't know, maybe Oliver Twist even. But I think... I've never seen A Passage to India. Yes, I've never seen Passage to India too. But I think his like, his oh, his filmography is more notorious for his later work than his earlier work. Gotcha. Yeah. His movie posters are like very consistent. I like it. Like when you look at his IMDb, it's very, it's very, it's nice. Yeah. It's like he was doing it for Letterboxd. <laughs> He's probably using a singular artist to do all of them though. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that was Lawrence of Arabia, a film I wasn't entirely looking forward to, but like really enjoyed. And to- I, you can ask Millie Samba, my sister, <laughs> and if this is your first time listening, I had told her I have to watch Lawrence of Arabia. Yeah. She was like, you sound so excited. And then now I'm like, yeah, I did Lawrence. watch Lawrence of Arabia. Because it feels like an accomplishment too. Yeah. It feels like you've ticked something off the movie bucket list for sure. Yeah. That you were right, wrong about it, sorry, in, and it ended up being great, even better. Yeah. But next week we get to a movie that may not have the same appeal. Before we do that, <laughs> mm. game time. Yes. Okay. So currently we're trying to connect the all the Oscar uh, race nominees to one mm. another. Um, and so this week we are connecting. So last, sorry, last week Nadim had me connect RRR mm-hmm. to the Fablemans. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this week, Nadim, I am having you connect the Fablemans to women talking. There is an extremely easy way to do this, but I wasn't sure if you know the way to do it. So that's why I challenge you to do so. Okay. And your timer starts now. Okay. There's definitely, there's like so many ways actually to do it. And I don't know why none of them are coming to me right now. Fablemans is directed by Steven Spielberg, which Mm -hmm. is your quickest way to do it. Oh, my God. I don't know why I'm blanking. It's okay. It's been a rough. It's, <laughs> it's been, been rough. rough this Oscar times. season has been rough. It's been rough. Okay. Think. Think. <laughs> think. I'll give you an extra 30 seconds. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. You're at 45 seconds now. The Fablemans is directed by Steven Spielberg, who has directed, like, everything. <laughs> um, If I go Rooney Mara. Rooney Mara was in Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. That's not the best way. There's a way to do it from there, too. Yeah, David Fincher. 
directed oh oh directed the social network i don't know i don't meet that it's not like it's actually and i know it's easy and i'm gonna be so upset when i don't get it or that there's like francis mcdormand who is in oh it's a minute 30 okay now. i can do it i can okay. do it now so Steven Spielberg directed uh, Catch Me If You Can with Tom Hanks or like Saving Private Ryan with Tom Hanks, who was in Lady Killers directed by the Coen brothers. One of them's married to Francis. Okay, yeah. That's a way. <laughs> You're the another so I have my simple way, which is not that. Yeah. But then also where you were going with Rooney Mara, I have a way for you. KKK. Rooney Mara has in Girl with a Dragon Tattoo, which also stars Robin Wright, who is in Forrest Gump with Tom oh, Hanks. Oh, There is, we yeah. go, yes. Um and then the the actual easy way that yeah. I wasn't sure if you knew or not, but um <laughs> Michelle Williams and Seth Rogen are in a movie called Take This Waltz. Oh which yes. is directed by, by Sarah, Sarah Pauly, yeah. who is the director of I Woman Talk. On there. Yeah. Have and you I seen mean, Take This Waltz? No, I haven't. Have you? You wouldn't like it. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> you don't need to watch it. <laughs> God, Seth Rogen in a serious role. Always so weird. He's the comedy part of the serious role. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's he's playing he's doing the Seth Rogen thing okay. when they put him in serious movies. That's fair. Except yeah. in Fablemans where he's meant to play a serious character. But he's also the comedy part. He's also the comedy part. Yeah, yeah that's what I'm that's the Seth Rogen of it. Yeah. yeah. <sighs> okay, I semi did it. I guess I'll semi-take the win. It took yeah, me a you did. Yeah. Uh, okay, Mitha, Oy. next week we're watching a movie. Want to tell us about it? <laughs> next week we are watching Tom Jones. Yeah. I almost forgot the name of the yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not about, you know, the singer of It's Not Unusual. It's not unusual, yeah. <laughs> it's not about that Tom Jones. It's a different Tom Jones. But it stars one of my favorite people, Albert Finney. So and it's only I'm two excited. hours. So, I mean, we we'll can take do it. the wins where we can. Yeah. But, but that's next week. Yep. Meet the parting words. Mm-hmm. Do you think I'm just anybody? That's a great line. Thank you so much for listening, friends. Please like, subscribe, share, and... Rate and review. And we will see you next week for Tom Jones. It's not unusual unusual. to listen to our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Have a lovely week, friends. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Movies to Watch Before the End of the World, sponsored by No One. You can send us an email at moviestowatchpod at gmail.com, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at moviestowatchpod, and check out our letterbox at movies, the number two, watch pod. As always, keep your pants on and don't forget to smell the Kevin Bacon.